with Open Door Talk. Did you listen to Let's Talk a little bit about me and a little bit about relationship, my personal story, my struggles with relationship, and ultimately the most magnificent relationship that I would ever have in my life. And that's my relationship with Jesus. So here we go. I have Christina, AKA, also known as, y'all better know what I'm talking about, Tina Morales, who is a master's level marriage and family therapist and an associate professional counselor. She's also certified as a preparer and rich facilitator, which is an assessment she uses to navigate premarital counseling. And she's trained in level two of Gottman method. Tina has a passion for working with premarital and married couples. So if you're out there and you are in a relationship and you're getting ready to get married and you have some questions or if you need some navigation in that, call Tina because I guarantee you that she's going to give you the tools that you need to get ready to start that chapter in your life. And if you're already married, hey, we all need tools anyway. We're going to be talking about that because I'm going to be sharing some of my relationship experiences. Tina is also a trauma-informed therapist and she works with individuals struggling in relationships. So Tina, welcome. Thank you. I love your intro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to share this story. I might as well just share a story. Oh, I'm please. I'm on too, but I'm going to share it. <laughs> I was seven months pregnant and I came into the summit and I remember, guys, I'm not kidding. This is no joke. I got up in the middle of these group of people and a lot of them were predominantly white American. I was a little uncomfortable. I felt that I was the only Spanish speaking therapist there. And Tina got up and said, girl, you got a Puerto Rican sister over here. And it made me feel at home. It, it gave me so much comfort and so much joy. That was our introduction. Tina and I met, and this was about almost two years ago. I cannot believe that. So first of all, thank you for thank you for inviting me to talk about this. This is my passion. I absolutely love talking about relationships. I just want to highlight, if anybody, whoever is listening, if you guys need a therapist, if you guys need somebody who can relate to you, Michelle is that person. Honestly, I was telling her this morning that her hard work is so noticed and her passion and her, your energy is just, it's contagious. If anybody needs a therapist or is even interested, literally, Michelle is your person. I feel yeah. a little teary-eyed over here. Yeah. We're going to talk about relationships. Thank you for yeah. that. I appreciate it. So I'll, so I'll kind of go around my journey. First, I'll just talk about specifically wanting to get into this field for working with couples is because I think that we are wired for relationship and it's the number one thing that determines so much. The first relationship I ever truly was aware of was obviously my parents. I think most of us are experienced with have some sort of experience with that, whether you're raised as a, with a single parent or with a married parent, married couple. It's the first experience you truly have of what a relationship is. So my parents divorced when I was eight years old. And that part of my story was like the first time where I saw hurt and brokenness in relationships. I want to make this very clear. Divorce for any child is a trauma. It's a trauma that you experience. And I think sometimes people don't really equate that, but understand that this is something that you have to learn to work with and develop with over time. And as a child, your brain is developing the whole time. That's my whole trauma stuff where I could, I love talking about the brain, learning about it. So the first relationship was eight years old, my parents were divorced. Second one was I was, I was watching people close to me in relationships and I noticed how a relationship that's not even in the same room. So one person can be in one area, the other person can be in a whole nother country. And I saw how it impacted the physiological being. 
the self. Like you could be, you could be shaking and responding to someone who's not even in the same country. And I thought that that was powerful. It intrigued me. I was fascinated. I was very sad because it was somebody that was close to me. And I, it literally brought me to tears how she could be impacted by someone who wasn't even in the same room. And it was, it just showed me the power of relationships. Fast forward, I think I got into my first relationship when I was 15. First real relationship when I was 15. I was in middle school, y'all talking about boyfriend, girlfriend. I didn't even talk to the person. Okay. So (laughs) that's that. But my first real relationship was 15 years old. And from there, it was my first relationship that lasted for about four to five years. Not only was it the first romantic relationship for me, but it was also one that I navigated through developmental years of my life from 15 to 20 years old. There's a lot changing in your brain's development at that time. And again, the brain is so powerful. That relationship was on and off for some time. And one of the biggest things that I started to realize even at that age was how powerful the disconnect between me and my father, how that impacted my relationships. A lot of people say daddy issues. First of all, such a real thing, not just for women, but for men as well. What it is, is there's an attachment that's happening that's been broken. And what we end up doing is we search for that broken piece, trying to fill it, not knowing that we cannot fill it with somebody else. But that's what we do. Fast forward, that relationship ended. Then I got into other relationships. It's almost been like relationship after relationship. I was constantly searching for someone to, to quote unquote, fill the void. Now, I did not share this with Michelle. So... (laughs) I know Michelle was like, this is going to be just raw and real. I think one of the most pivotal relationships, the thing that really shifted my direction was a really toxic relationship. And I think we talk about toxic relationships as if that other person was toxic. And I want to make it very clear that in any relationship, it takes two. If the relationship is toxic, I have a role in this toxic relationship. And I will say that for me, that was the season where I felt like I completely lost who I was. I have to be very honest, I was abusive. And now I'm a woman, right? We talk about men being abusive and how men can't touch women and when they abuse women, how it's looked at. I was abusive verbally, physically, where I would push and I would hit. And I want people to understand that even though me as a woman, I probably wasn't hurting him in the sense of like, I couldn't do any real damage. It is never okay, in my opinion, for anyone to put their hands on someone else. So whether or not I actually did damage to him physically, the emotional damage that was happening was incredible. That whole time, I could have blamed it on him. I would say was his fault because of his actions. And there is heart truth to that. The other truth is, though, that there was something within me that I was not addressing and I wasn't looking at. So at that time, during that season, I went through a whole lot of loss. That relationship was where I would say I started to lose myself. So that was the biggest loss, I think. My sister's partner at the time passed away. I ended up losing a friendship. After my sister's partner had passed away, me and her were living together. I started having to pay for all of my bills, her bills, and our bills together. So I went through a lot of loss financially as well. And then went through a loss of like, I had to, we had to move out of our apartment because I couldn't afford it. And then from there... A cousin of ours invited us to church. That was the most pivotal moment. Mind you, I grew up Catholic. I've been in the church my entire life. I've always had some sort of relationship with Jesus, with God. But for me, I knew I needed, I knew I needed more. After college, you know, religiously going to the club, drinking, doing the most, partying. And 
during that season, I think this was 2014, 2015, that season when I felt like everything was taken away from me, everything that I thought was important, I lost. I lost a friendship. I was in an unhealthy, toxic relationship and I, I lost myself. Literally, someone passed away. There were so many things that, that I lost that I was searching. I was searching for something. The first service that me and my sister went to talked about how we forget who gives us things and we try to hold on to these things as if they are the source. And being reminded that something I've always known, I just never fully dove into an experience was my relationship with God, how he gives this thing to me and I can give it back without fear that it'll either never come back to me or wouldn't be replaced with something better. And so going to this church, it was Grace Church and still in Massachusetts. I'm going to shout it out because it literally changed my life. <laughs> awesome. But Grace Church, we, we went there, really dove into what it actually meant, meant to have a relationship with God, not just follow certain rules and go to church every Sunday because that's what you're quote unquote supposed to do. Got into that church, got into community, really felt what it was like to be accepted for who I was in that moment. I did not have to change this party girl that I was. I, I didn't have to change this pain that I was going through. I didn't have to change certain aspects of myself before I would be accepted. And so there was a whole lot of acceptance community and stuff that happened there. And it started to just bring clarity. I think for me, I needed a pause. I needed a break. I needed clear space. All these things that I thought I lost and was a negative thing was actually God's way of being able to create space for me to discover what it was that I actually needed and wanted. And what was meant for me, goodness, I didn't know what my purpose was at that time. I didn't think I had anything to offer. I didn't think there was anything special within inside of me. And that space in that church and that clarity was the catalyst for everything that happened afterwards. I ended up getting baptized again, even though I was baptized as a baby, got into grad school and started pursuing this thing that I always knew I wanted to pursue, which was to learn more about healthy relationships and to just dive into like, we can have health when it comes to relationships and just be curious about what that looks like. Let me just say that I respect, I'm gonna put a respect on that, like, like, the, like the capital R for what you just said, because not a lot of women would ever own up to the toxic ways that they can bring into a relationship. Yeah. And everything that you said really resonated with me. You know, I had my own battles with that uh, within my relationship and there was a lot of hurt. And so when you hurt, what do people do? And we know this, hurt people hurt people. We are constantly responding from a trauma response. And so mm -hmm. whatever that is for you, if you're emotionally abusive or physically abusive. No, you don't have any right to put your hands on anyone. And I'm glad that you said that. But also, mm -hmm. take a moment to analyze why you think mm -hmm. the person is reacting the way that they are. Mm -hmm. Let's not be so quick to judge. And let's not be so quick to come up with a diagnosis of what that mm -hmm. person is. Because since when do we label and do we go around saying this, oh, you're this, you're that, based on this diagnosis, when we're people? Don't get it twisted. We all can fall short and be right on that chair just as a client. Yeah. This is why I'm doing the podcast because we have lost connection of that 
human connection and what it really means to help and serve people. So thank you. I, I appreciate and respect what you share because yeah. I know that whoever will listen to this next week, that they're going to leave with something. Yeah. You were able to be authentic, raw, and open about something personal. Yeah. So you left me with a handful of questions and I'm trying to figure out where to start. Just going back to relationship after relationship and really that precedence of what happened with that divorce and your dad and how that really just navigated the rest of your relationship and how you saw your world and view from the inside out what it should look like or what it feels like because now you do have those daddy issues and we know as women those daddy issues are very detrimental to our minds to our lives mm -hmm. to our hearts when we're left heartbroken from our dads you know our relationships from there on they set a tone and they can be positive or they can be negative and it's yeah. a very important connection it's a very important relationship and it really sets the foundation and you have me thinking about that i think i shared this with someone recently when I was about 9, 10, 11 years old, as you were sharing your relationship with your dad, mm -hmm. my dad and I relationship was a little different. He playfully would address me in a jokingly type of way because I was the talkative type and I talked a lot and I had friends and he would say to me, tu eres la estupidita de la familia. And what, mm. what that means for some people that don't understand Spanish is, oh, you're the stupid one of the family because I talked a lot. He would say that to me jokingly. Now, on a hindsight view, 2020 vision, looking at that, I understand that that's my dad joking. He does not think of me that way. He's the first person who calls me when he's dealing with a problem. He's the first person who calls me when he's having any type of issue that comes up. So I have a great relationship with my father. But as a child, that was traumatic for me because it set the foundation and the tone for how I would feel for many, many years to come and how I would navigate through my own perspective how I wasn't good enough and I wasn't smart enough. It set a foundation for me for school because when I was in high school, it was a huge challenge. I was so unmotivated. I I was so discouraged and the people that don't know this, and I don't even think Tina knows this, but I graduated out of high school shortly right before 20 years old because I missed two years of school, cutting class, hanging out with my friends, not doing any of my assignments. But I tell you all this because I was the first one to graduate with a master's degree in my family. So it doesn't matter how you end up, it's how you finish. If you're a parent, those relationships that you have with your kids are very important they're impressionable for the kiddos because that is just setting the foundation for what relationships they're going to have in the future. So thank you for sharing that. You know, going on to the next question, I would say as a professional, you working with, with couples and relationships, what do you think is one of the things that you see are most challenging or what you see as a therapist and how you work through those issues? What have you seen the most? Yeah. So that is a great question in so many ways I can go with that. First, now, mind you, I say first, but I understand that nothing is linear, right? So at the end of the day, this is how it could have shown up in terms of like first, second, and third for me. But for you, it could show up as three, one, two. So it's circular. It's not linear. 
But some of the biggest aspects that I see when it comes to couples is one, lack of awareness. And I don't mean awareness of your partner. I mean awareness of yourself. This is why it's so important to understand your family history, where you come from, what things you have learned, and what happened to you. So a lot of times we like to either blame others or take on too much blame for ourselves. There needs to be an understanding of where do I come from? What's the theme that happens in my life? What's this theme in terms of relationships? Because it doesn't need to just be romantic. You figure out a theme and you will find it in your romantic relationships, your work relationships, your relationships with friends. Being aware of yourself, aware of what makes you tick, what triggers you, and what is it triggering in you. For me, I'll just talk about my personal story. Being aware of when my father left, there is this trigger that this person is going to leave me. And so what do I do? I overperform, overperform so that they stay thinking that's my solution. Overperform so they stay. Here's another piece that I didn't share with Michelle. <laughs> Authenticity, right? Love it. What did that look like for me growing up in, in all of these relationships with sex? I felt like, oh, I had to have sex so that they would stay. Or that was like my coping mechanism where I'm like, oh, I know I can keep you here because of this thing. That's a whole nother story in terms of how the Lord can change that. But I think it's really important to really be aware of yourself. Yeah. So for me, what does that look like? Like, why do I feel this way when they say that they're going to go somewhere that they don't communicate with me? Is it something that they're doing or is it something that it's being triggered for me in my past? Am I afraid that they're going to leave? Why am I using sex? Is this again, something because it's out of love and connection and the desire for unity, which again, is a whole nother thing? Or is it because I'm afraid they're going to leave. Right. So understanding yourself, your cycles, your patterns, why you do something, and then that awareness truly leading to what is my ultimate fear that's happening here? I think a lot of times when it comes to relationships, we forget to be assertive with something because we are afraid if I say that this is what I want, or this is what I need, or this is what I desire and they reject or dismiss it, then either they're going to leave or I am not going to get what I want and I don't know how to then handle that. Hmm. So a lot of my clients when it comes to working with couples is one, either a lack of awareness of themselves and what part they play in this dynamic with their spouse or two, that can probably be part of it, but two, maybe being aware of it and being afraid to ask for it. Yeah. Sometimes if we put it on the table and our partner says, Hey, I can't provide that need for you. And I'm not even going to try. Now you're left with a choice. Am I going to choose to stay when this is clear and in, you know, in my face, or am I going to choose to say, you know what, this is going to hurt to leave, but I need to, because it's not right for me. Right. So there's a lot of underlying fears and patterns and dynamics, but being aware of yourself and being courageous enough to put that on the table so that you and your partner can then navigate what's in the light. You can't navigate what's in the dark. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> That's a mouthful, girl. And I wait for people to hear this episode. This is amazing stuff. Are y'all listening? This is great. <laughs> So let me kind of circle back to yeah. having self-awareness. The one thing that I can remember very vividly in my marriage is we were just not on the same page when it came mm -hmm. to kind of giving and receiving our love and for each other because we just did not communicate and it was not in light, like you said. So something that you don't know of when you don't know, you don't know. And it wasn't until we really dived into Gary Chapman's five love languages and we did an assessment yeah. 
And we both realized what I wanted him to do and what I was doing most to show my love to him was what I wanted to get back. How ironic is that? I'm over here telling my husband, great job, babe. You're doing amazing. I love you. (laughs) And he's not giving me that in return because he doesn't know that my love language is words of affirmation. And then my husband is touching me, hugging me, squeezing me. And I am not a physical person. So if you heard my podcast from last week, my ultimate goal was to always just get emotional fulfillment. And it was not necessarily physical. I still am learning to be more physical and a little more huggy. And and which, you know, it's funny because I am, but there are times that I can turn that off and I have to remind myself, turn it on. And so he will be waiting for me to hug him. I'm like, that's his love language. And so if you guys don't know what the five love languages by Gary Chapman, I really do encourage you to read the book. It's a very thin book, but it also has a free assessment that you and your partner can take. So you both get get to know each other a little bit more because that's Mm -hmm. that self-awareness piece that Tina was talking about. Because when you're self-aware and you're aware of I receive my love language this way, or I am triggered by this. However you are wired as a person, being self-aware is how you're going to come to communicate that a little bit more clearly, and you have that effective communication. So you both, you and your partner are on the same page. When you have a clear view of who you are, then you know what you want, and then you both bring it into light Mm -hmm. and then you can move forward. And if not, it's okay because you don't want to be in a relationship that other person cannot, they can't reciprocate what you need. So Mm -hmm. let me ask you a question. We can go around and we can talk about trauma and and daddy issues and people that you work with. But what do you think are the most effective ways to work with someone? If there was any couple right now listening, what would you tell them as far as suggestions or recommendations or what tips or skills can they apply in their own lives if they want to work it out, but they just don't have the tools? What do you recommend? But if there's a relationship that they've been toxic and they just they're not meeting each other needs and they have lost all hope and they just know that this is over what do you have to tell that couple we really did not prepare for this podcast guys i'll tell you one thing this is as as authentic as you hear (laughs) we don't go over an outline of exactly what we're going to talk about i just kind of mentioned the topic we share some ideas i did not know that tina will be sharing a lot of things that she shared. <laughs> Again, I'm so thankful that she did. But here we go. One of my many, many tips is that one, if it's for a couple who is together and they maybe just don't have the skills that they need, they, they enjoy being with each other, but they notice that they're missing the mark in some areas and they're just trying to just fine tune it. There's a great book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. The other part that I would say is come see me and I would love to work it through with you. <laughs> yes. If you are in the state of Georgia, come see <laughs> right. Morales. Or just find either a mentor couple if that's not something, if you're not interested in therapy per se, like the actual therapeutic process, go find a mentor couple. Find a couple that you think is successful or that you see like, you know what? It seems like you guys have a happy relationship. It seems like you guys are navigating things. Go find a mentor couple, talk to them. At the end of the day, again, the same way that I believe that 
we need relationships. Not only is it as an individual, we need to be connected with other people, but even as a couple, you need to be connected with other couples. I just think that that's so key in being able to grow and to build. Another thing for the toxic couple or the the couple that is in an unhealthy pattern, there's so much information that talks about the differentiation between healthy, unhealthy, and toxic. These are different types of relationship styles, but we need to look at, okay, are my boundaries being respected? Are there any boundaries in this relationship? Does this person try to control my actions and my moves? Um, If so, that's something I would really highly suggest. Please go see a therapist for that because there, there's a lot to unpack in there. But if we're in an unhealthy relationship that we're struggling in a lot of areas and we're trying to figure out, okay, how can we navigate this? My number one suggestion or tip is let's stop pointing the finger at the other person as if they're the problem to be fixed. But one, be very clear about your values. What is it that you value? Does this person that you're with value the same stuff? Do they value something completely different? If so, probably going to be very hard and you're going to have a lot of issues. And I'm going to step in for a quick second because Mm -hmm. what I can imagine is someone listening to this and saying, I don't know about values. What do you mean by values? Let's break that down a little because I'd love to educate. How can a person figure out what values do they have when they themselves are unhealthy or maybe they're bringing in the problems in the relationship? They want to fix it. They want to fix themselves and they don't even have any values because, I mean, we are focusing on broken homes. And when there are broken homes and there is that one single parent home or maybe two and it's unhealthy. There are no healthy values that people know and that they're educated on. So what do you mean? So when I say values, first of all, there's so many different like worksheets and things that you can do to explore what your values are. When I say values, I would say, think of it as what guides your steps, what guides you to make a step forward in a certain direction, right? So I am very much of the thought process that we are on a constant journey. I have never arrived. I will make it very clear. That's also why I don't like to say I'm an expert because it's not like I figured it out and now I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm on a constant journey of learning and being curious. So Mm -hmm. when I talk about values, it's like, okay, what is your blueprint? What is your guide? For me, it's my spirituality and my faith walk. This helps me in terms of my my walk. So think about that. Like if you've ever made a decision, figure out what led me to this decision. What made me want to go in this direction? What guides your path? Excellent. Blueprint. Yeah. So that was one of my points. Make sure you're clear on your values. And if you're not clear on them, get clear on them. Be curious about yourself. Please don't stop learning about who you are and what makes you tick and what drives you. The next thing that I would say is find joy or excitement or beauty in spending time with yourself. Yes. Let me tell you, in terms of my journey and my walk, I was trying to be busy running around. Obviously, I went to grad school. That was great distraction from having to look at myself, right? Right. But then I went to a a program that was all about counseling. So they forced me to look at myself all the time. So (laughs) find joy in being with yourself. I have a whole journal entry. So journaling is one of the things that I do. I have a whole journal entry where I finally sat one day and I was like, you know what? I have experienced sadness today. I've experienced joy today. I've struggled today. And yet... I'm okay today. And finding that that peace, that that joy, that balance within you and finding time with you, I think is so crucial because if not, you're going to always be looking for a person to fill that void within you. And then take your power back. Take your power back. Please stop 
sharing that, oh, because of what you did, this is why I am the way that I am. You realize that you're giving away your power. Take your power back. Take ownership of this is what I think. This is how I feel. Please don't look at your feelings as an enemy. There's a whole lot of work we can do in there. This is what I think. This is how I feel. And this is how I'm behaving. Yes, they could yell at me. But their yelling is their behavior. How I respond is my responsibility. That's my ownership. So take your power back. Be able to say, like, these are my thoughts, emotions, feelings, wants, needs, desires. Take that power back. And then learn the difference between something being uncomfortable and unhealthy. Ooh, that's good. I think a lot of times we search for comfort, but understanding if we come from dysfunctional families, that's going to be comfortable because it's familiar. So understanding. <laughs> We're doing a Zoom video podcast. So she's looking at my facial expressions. It's so <laughs> laughing right now. Can you say that one more time? Yes. Learn the difference between being uncomfortable and unhealthy because typically we search for comfort. And comfort comes from what we're familiar with. And if we come from dysfunctional families, we're going to be more comfortable because we're familiar with that. So part of my journey was learning how to become uncomfortable because it was healthy. And Woo! that's good. It is. But man, it is in terms of that learning the difference when you're uncomfortable, there's also the process of learning how to be able to regulate those emotions. This is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to bring up stuff in you that's difficult because it's new. But just because it's new doesn't mean that it's wrong. You're growing. You're changing. If you're not uncomfortable, most likely you're not growing. There's so much power and beauty in it to be able to say, I can do hard things. I can be in this thing that's uncomfortable because it's healthy and it's new. And I can learn how to navigate this. So there's just so much in there. Well, there you have it. You are magnificent, brilliant, <laughs> exquisite, wise, and absolutely well-rounded professional that really brought some light into relationships. I cannot be more excited about this episode. I'm already thinking about the next one that we have to record. <laughs> absolutely amazing. What are your social handles? How can they reach out to you? And what's the best way they can find you? First of all, thank you, Michelle, because this is, I'm passionate and I love to be able to talk about this. So thank you for giving me the space. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> best way, I mean, if you want to just follow me on social media, my, um, my Instagram handle is Living in Light LLC. If you're looking for couples counseling or premarital counseling, I would love to work with you. You can feel free to just go to that social media handle and contact me through there. Or you can go to my profile on psychology today. Just type in my name, Christina Morales, Atlanta, Georgia. Christina is spelled without an H, my friend. C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. <laughs> but yeah, feel free to read up on my profile there if you're looking for couples counseling. And that's how you can find me. Everyone, as you guys know, I'll be posting information about Tina. Anyways, I can go right to Open Door Talk and you guys can go ahead and follow her. This girl is amazing. I am so glad that she is a friend of mine. And one of the things that I haven't even got to share in this episode as we were recording is that Tina's going to get married this year, guys. Yay. She is newly <laughs> engaged and ready to get married to her beautiful and handsome fiance, Taj. And she'll be Mrs. Walker this year so we're Woo! excited i mean i wish her all the best thank you thank you guys for joining in this is michelle pintado with open door talk <laughs>